Hey, Tubes, it's your old buddy Bucho dropping in here before we launch once again to give a spoiler briefing. Get it? Briefing? Because of the whole mission thing? Anyway, there is a real short five second long spoiler in this episode of Sending the Clones concerning whether or not Ahsoka and Rex survive the next episode, season 7, episode 12 of The Clone Wars. I'm sure many of you already know, but for those of you who don't know whether Ahsoka and Rex survive The Clone Wars, you will want to skip forward from the 34 minute, 35 second mark to the 34 minute, 40 second mark. And I'll also take this opportunity to let you know up front that Robbie and I don't actually start yapping about episode 11 of season 7 until the 23 minute 30 second mark and that's because Robbie and I spent the first part of the episode yapping about Revenge of the Sith so I finally watched it after a million years and to close out this briefing I will also take this opportunity to apologize in advance for my continual dumb jokes the dumb jokes that I can't help but making because I'm an idiot especially the one where I pretend I don't know how to say Dave Filoni's name and also especially the one where I can't say the name of this episode without adding Asha Doobie to the front of it in tribute to the Rolling Stone song of the same name. So with that, let's strap in and prepare for launch on Season 7, Episode 11, Asha Doobie, Shattered, Shattered. Something on your mind? As a Jedi, we were trained to be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. But all I've been since I was a Padawan is a soldier. Well, I've known no other way. Gives us clones all a mixed feeling about the war. Many people wish it never happened. But without it, we clones wouldn't exist. Well, then perhaps some good has come from all of it. The Republic couldn't have asked for better soldiers. Nor I better friend. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Bucho and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, with the dastardly Maul in custody, Ahsoka, Rex, and the clones head back to Coruscant. But while en route, the even more dastardly Darth Sidious sends out the call to execute Order 66, a move which leads to a new complication in Ahsoka's relationship with the clones. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, he's watched the first six seasons of the Clone Wars three whole times. He's the Ahsoka to my Rex. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello, everyone. And you had better believe we are about to talk about the 132nd episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, directed by Saul Ruiz and written by Davi Filoni. It's Season 7, Episode 11. Ha, Shadoobie, shattered, shattered. So, Robbie, how about we roll out with me apologizing for the first time that I do this dumb Rolling Stones joke and also with a little bit of chit-chat about dun-dun-dun Star Wars Episode 3 Revenge of the Sith because before we started this journey I watched The Phantom Menace and I watched Attack of the Clones which of course lead into The Clone Wars. What I didn't watch was Revenge of the Sith because that leads out of The Clone Wars. 
But now, with the last episode, the last couple of episodes in this one, we're right in amongst Revenge of the Sith, so I thought, I better start watching Revenge of the Sith again. Now, you've seen Revenge of the Sith, what, 783 times or something? It's a lot. It's maybe not that much, but it is quite a bit. We have done uh, Star Wars rankings back and forth over the years. Can you remind us whereabouts Revenge of the Sith sort of ranks within the prequels and within your overall Star Wars rankings? I didn't warn you exactly how we were going to attack this Revenge of the Sith thing, but we can wing it because we've talked about it a million times, I guess, right? Yeah, it is definitely my favorite of the prequels, and it is number five out of 11. So it's kind of right in the middle when it comes to... I mean, come on. To me, the Holy Trilogy has to be, for me, that's top three. But yeah, I mean, it's way up there as far as uh, my favorites to watch. I mean, in all honesty, I can watch any Star Wars movie at any given time. No questions asked. I'll just... Oh, we're watching we're watching episode two. For me, the worst ranked Star Wars movie. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, because even the worst ranked Star Wars movie is still a fun time. Yeah. And I... I hadn't watched Revenge of the Sith, I think, since maybe 2007 or 2008. I can't remember. I know that it had been over a decade, so it had been a real long time. And That's too long. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it was, but I really wanted to wait until after the Clone Wars was finished till I watched it again. And I guess I didn't factor in that. Maybe it would overlap with the Clone Wars. So here we are. I watched... Now, I didn't watch all of it. I watched up to Order 66, and so I made a bunch of notes here. They might be a bit random. Um, they might, <laughs> I mean, I kind of done them in a rushed manner because it was slightly unplanned. I was doing something else and I thought, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to watch Revenge of the Sith as far as I can. And so these notes are just kind of random. And the first note, Robbie, just says the opening battle is a ton of fun and that the Clone Wars action really catches that Revenge of the Sith space action vibe nicely. I've just felt like that connection was really there between the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith with the way that opening space battle plays out and the first note where I felt like there was a difference was seeing Hayden again because you know this is the first time I've seen Hayden's version of Anakin since I started watching the Clone Wars you know I watched Attack of the Clones before we started and it's definitely notable how much colder he comes across than the Anakin created by the Clone Wars uh, department of Atlanta. Clone Wars Anakin has so much warmth and so much love and affection to give, you know, and when we see him meeting with Ahsoka again, an old friend's nothing gone, and he's just, he seems like a lovable guy, like he's obviously got his flaws, but there's a lot of love in him, and there's no coldness in him, and when the dark side has come out during the series, you know, we see that there's an anger in him, but it doesn't come across as as any kind of psychopathy, you know, it comes across as a guy who really passionately believes in doing what's right, and Hayden, both in Attack of the Clones and here, there is an edge of psychopathy to him and when I use the word psychopathy to be fair I might be using it wrong I'm not I'm, I mean I haven't really studied psychology in that but there is a coldness to him where it doesn't surprise you when he does what he does later in the film the way that Hayden plays him the way that he comes across in the Clone Wars which I love which I've always loved I've always loved the way Matt Lanter plays him uh, you know the humor and everything that doesn't connect as well. We'll get to that a little bit later when we get to Order 66, but do you have any uh, comments on my, I guess, first couple of notes so far? The, just the way the action really matches really nice. I guess we can even go into the, the laser sword fights, the lightsaber fights when, the, when Obi-Wan and Anakin land on the command ship. But just the difference between Hayden's performance and the Clone Wars performance of Anakin. It's kind of interesting that you say that you feel that, I guess, that difference in the performance between the two. 
What's weird for me is that it almost feels like, you know, at least the last time that we saw Obi-Wan and Anakin before they go to Coruscant. Obi-Wan's more serious and more by the book, and Anakin is, is a little more playful and a little more the way that we've known him up until the Clone Wars. And then when we get to the movie, it's weird because Obi-Wan's the one making remarks and, and, and kind of playing around a little bit. Right. All the, the whole spring the trap, that whole conversation, the playfulness in his eyes. And then the, you know, how did this happen? We're better than this. You know, yeah. that whole thing when they get trapped by the ray shields. Yeah. It's just... It's interesting that you picked up on that because it was something that I always noticed when I would watch Revenge of the Sith, that it, it almost feels like, in a way, those roles have been reversed, you know, the, as far as, like, you know, good cop, bad cop, or serious cop, goofy cop. You're, I don't know, how, I don't know how, how I'm trying to sure. put this, but you know what I mean? It's almost like their playfulness scale has been reversed at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. And even the, oh, another happy landing, all that stuff. He just... Anakin seems more serious, and Obi-Wan seems more quippy and more fun. Now, does that... I mean, is that one of those things that just breaks the whole immersion? Not for me. It's weird because, you know, it's almost the same as... <laughs> this is going to be goofy, okay? I'm just going to sure. let you know right now, this is kind of goofy. But my wife, after we started playing the Lego Star Wars games, she would have a hard time when she was watching the movie because she would just <laughs> see Lego everywhere. Um... <laughs> And it's, You've told me that about you. you. I mean, I think maybe even in our very first episode, in our episode 000, uh, I think we called it Hello There. I think you mentioned that back then as well, that you sort of get so used to seeing these other versions that when you watch the movies again, you can't help but have kind of a mental overlap. Right, and it takes you a second to kind of, it's almost like recalibrate yourself. And I think that there is still that between the animated series and the movies, but the, the, the thing is that the quality has always been so good. And it just keeps getting, as I mentioned many, many times, from season one to season seven, there is a an incredible difference in the quality that it's easy for me to, to just recalibrate real fast and get right into the story. Yeah, I one thing that I noted here was that I guess I had been quite critical of Hayden's performance in the past, but... You know, when we watched Attack of the Clones, I bought a lot of it a lot more. And I, th I remember being surprised how much I bought the sort of romance side of things and how much I enjoyed. I mean, not the softer than sand, but maybe, but a lot of the romance side of things I, I, I bought from Aiden. And here I really bought his inner battle when he has Dooku dead to rights and Palpatine's telling him, do it. You know, Palpatine's like the devil on his shoulder telling him, do it. And he's got the Jedi conscience as his angel on the other shoulder telling him not to do it. And I bought that inner battle there. So when I say that I, I find Anakin and you know and the Clone Wars version I don't want to call it the Matt Lanter version because of course it's the animators and Matt, and Matt Lanter together I enjoy both of them I probably prefer the Clone Wars version just because it's less dark you know it's more playful and yeah. and uh, lovable but this is effective what, what Hayden's doing here and you know not all the way through uh, as we'll get to but I like it more than I used to and so this is sort of continuing what happened when I watched The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones that this is the most fun I've ever had watching Revenge of the Sith so I'm a Revenge of the Sith fan now another note I've got here Robbie I love Grievous so much like a <laughs> grin basically overtakes my face whenever he's on screen like almost like I can't control it and when he does his old <laughs> time to abandon ship I just laughed out loud because what, like what kind of evil villain loves that he's about to abandon ship obviously there's a reason for it because he thinks the ship's dead and everyone else on it you know his enemies on it are, are dead too but the old head clanker is just such a joyous creation to me that you know I just I just loved it and then Obi-Wan being all 
I mean, this is a separate note. I'm probably going to ramble a bit here, but just to be clear, this is a note I'm going to hear Obi-Wan being all, Let us not forget, Anakin. You rescued me from the buzz droids, and you killed Count Dooku, and you rescued the Chancellor, and I will learn how to say Chancellor correctly one day, and you <laughs> rescued the Chancellor, carrying me unconscious on your back. It was odd how flippantly he tosses off the killing of Dooku. You know, for me, I guess I brought this up in the last episode that Dooku looms so much more large for me in the canon now than I watched The Clone Wars. You know, he's this character that I guess means more to me. So let's just take this moment to give one last salute to that Clone Wars art design and animation team for what they did with Dooku. And of course, to Corey Burden, who helped make Dooku this character that I, you know, ended up coming to love more, I guess, love to hate more. But Dooku was was so great. And we probably don't need to talk that much more about Dooku because we talked about him in the last episode. But here's the first thing that really took me by surprise, Robbie. This really took me by surprise. Hmm. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even anticipating this. When Anakin meets up with Padme again after his chat with Bail Organa, I got bammed right in the feels. And as we've gone through this journey, I've made it clear that I'm a Padme fan. And often I'll, I don't know, I'll sort of play it up and play up how, that's Leia and Luke's mom. She's a badass. And I legit love it when she does spinning kicks and what have you. That's real. I'm not playing that up. But I do get how the version that we see in the movies, you could say that, you know, wait, where are these spinning kicks coming from? We never see that from her in the movies. It, it hasn't really mattered to me. I just feel like, well, okay. And I think we talked about this, you know, this is a royal person or a person of high breeding and a lot of the time back in the day you know knights were people of high breeding people of high breeding were taught how to fight and so i never really had that sort of problem but what i'm really getting towards is that as that scene went on i realized that as i've gone on this long journey through the clone wars i had built up a ton of affection for padme even more than i thought i had i found myself flashing back to the various clone wars episodes and arcs so not only the love scenes that showed the the story between anakin and padme like not love scenes but because <laughs> love scene's a different thing, isn't it? Let's say, not only to the scenes showing the love story between Anakin and Padme, but to the episodes where Padme is acting independently of Anakin, doing her own thing, you know, teaming up with Jaja, teaming up with her old pal Satine, teaming up with Bail Organa, and especially to that moment that Padme had with Ahsoka way back in Season 3, Episode 7, in Assassin. You know, when I brought up then, kind of not really... I mean, I guess I, understanding what I was talking about with the what struck me that Padme never got a chance to be a mother right and that scene she got a chance to be a mother to Ahsoka and to show that she would have been an awesome mom mom or mum, depending on where you're from and I always loved that scene and loved the relationship with Ahsoka but it was seeing Padme and Anakin meet there again in Revenge of the Sith and knowing what was coming it suddenly hit me I had almost like this grieving for Padme that I never expected like she hasn't been in this season she was a little bit in season six obviously with the Clovis thing you know which and here's the other thing some of these other stories they're not necessarily my favorite stories like the Padme episodes aren't necessarily the ones that I'm going to rush back to rewatch, you know but somehow through the magic of the show it just felt odd to me that all of a sudden I was like oh god <laughs> now I really don't want Padme to die because she's so much more three-dimensional for some reason one of the things that really struck me was remember when she was teaming up with Peppy Bo way back in the Blue Shadow Virus episodes I just had these flashbacks like with, I wasn't thinking back they just all flashed through my head. And so it was, yeah, like, I mean, I'm babbling now, but it just caught, it really caught me off guard. And the Clone Wars Padme really does feel quite connected to the Portman Padme for me somehow. Just the performance that the art team and animation team and Catherine Tabor give to Padme, that she really has felt like this fleshed out character. And I had never thought of it. I had never realized that she had until I saw her again in this movie. And 
And yeah, like I said, it hit me. It does kind of fade a little bit later because maybe the balcony scene doesn't quite work as well as it's supposed to. Maybe it's a little too goofy in its attempt to be cute. But I mean, do you want to say a little bit of something about this scene where they meet here on the platform and and how Padme has sort of been fleshed out into an actual, I shouldn't say an actual character because she's through all of these films, you know, we, we know who Padme is before we get here. But the Clone Wars, I guess... It just hit me how much more the Clone Wars has done to make her a more lovable character, you know? You know, you you mentioned, you know, you're focused on Padme right here. But for me, the Clone Wars enriches the entire saga. And there are ripples all the way through. And I think I've mentioned, you know, the scene in Return of the Jedi. When the Emperor is shocking Luke and Vader's kind of looking back and forth. I told you, it was after I'd watched the Clone Wars a couple of times... And I hadn't seen Return of the Jedi and actually had watched it. Because, you know, you could have this stuff on in the background. And right. I was actually watching the movie. I was actually paying attention to it and getting involved in it. And it had been a very, very long time. And I got really emotional during that scene. Because in my mind, I was putting myself in his position. And what he's thinking about as he's looking back and forth. I had flashes of Anakin being a hero. And what's weird is when you watch the movies now... This journey that you've taken on the Clone Wars will inform every single one of those characters. And when you see them again, when you see Jar Jar again, immediately you're reminded of, you know, the adventures that he went on. And I mean, it's one of those things where I think that's the beautiful thing about being involved in a a world, a universe like this, is that the more that you take in, the more it kind of informs the rest of those characterizations and the richer and deeper that... (laughs) It's weird. It's like you're not only learning more about that, but you're also loving it more. And then you get very defensive, especially when somebody is being very negative about things. <laughs> you know, you, you get to a point where you realize that even in some of the stuff that may be a little, you know, maybe not up to the quality of some other scenes or some other movies, there's still a whole lot to love. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome to experience. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't get that much of Jaja in this film. I found that vibe-wise overall, it meshed really pretty nicely with the overall vibe, except for that Anakin connection we've talked about. The other thing is Kit Fisto. He just doesn't look anything like the Kit Fisto in the Clone Wars. You know, he's a lot uglier. He doesn't look anywhere near as agile and Ayla Secura, unfortunately, as well in the Order 66 scene. Not only doesn't feel like the Ayla Secura from the Clone Wars, but doesn't have any sort of athleticism or you know the way she goes down the way she falls she doesn't <laughs> seem like a jedi so those are kind of unfortunate disconnects that i had but seeing mace go down had more impact even though samuel L. jackson has some kind of ropey moments in his performance during the confrontation with palpatine a lot of it works and when he goes flying out of that window there all of a sudden i flash back to the cool stuff that he's done and and the part that he's played in the Clone Wars journey and Anakin's fall still does feel rushed to me I remember that from back in the day it's always felt rushed there's, there's a switch that happens between what have I done and I will do whatever you ask it just doesn't land at all for me everything leading up to what have I done works fairly well like I believe his journey up to that point and then the switch just didn't didn't land for me it just kind of feels inelegant after I will do whatever you ask I guess but Order 66 in particular, which obviously we get to in this episode of The Clone Wars, I have sort of notes for each 
shot that we get where Obi-Wan versus Cody in the 212th I don't really feel anything because Cody never became a character during the Clone Wars like Rex and the Domino Squad and other 501st characters did. Kitty Mundy, <laughs> this is probably bad to say, but he'd been kind of a dick during the show, so I was fine <laughs> with seeing him go down. Um, Ayla Secura, like I said, is kind of like Kit Fish, though, in that the character just feels disconnected, so there's no, I guess, feeling with it. Because you remember back to the Lerman arc, which is written... Ahsoka and Ayla Secura had a lot of time together and you really get to like Ayla Secura in that arc but you don't really see her after that and like I said it's kind of disconnected. Master Plo going down did hit but not as hard as it would have hit if we hadn't had those episodes at the end of season 5 where it feels like he kind of fails Ahsoka you know he fails to really have her back in the trial episodes when the council basically fails Ahsoka so I'd unfortunately fallen a little bit out of love with him after falling really in love with him <laughs> during the show up to that point and of course we got Master Yoda dealing with the situation on Kashyyyk beheading his guys but they're kind of anonymous clones so there's not really any feels there and then Anakin goes after the young ones and while that little kid with the Master Skywalker there are too many of them what are we going to do it doesn't land he's only a little guy you know a young actor and it, the fact that it doesn't work I'm not going to blame him for it but and there's an iconic moment that comes after that the way the kid kind of gets a fright and stumbles on the spot when Anakin ignites his blade it's so natural it's the opposite of that line delivery which feels completely unnatural that, that's such an effective moment you probably know how they did that like did they actually scare that little kid did they direct that little kid to act scared because you I totally buy that poor little kid all of a sudden yeah his eyes go wide and whoa whoa wait what, 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 what's going on here yeah <laughs> and so it's just that's a really effective moment and then the last note I've got in this section is that badass little kid who jumps in on the Bail Organa scene, which is a cool little moment, but again, unfortunately, that kid is not a character, so doesn't have the impact it might have had if that kid had been established as a character. Aside from showing us Bail realizing the situation is even more nightmarish than he might have imagined, it doesn't quite hit the same, so this might come across as me being negative toward Revenge of the Sith in the way that Order 66 played and you know it could have played better but still overall it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything I still enjoyed it overall it was still fun to watch and to see how it fits in so before we get to season 7 episode 11 I should do be shattered Robbie do you want to say anything uh, in response to uh, my rambling if anyone is still listening <laughs> to this episode after my rambling about Revenge of the Sith <laughs> Yeah, you'd mentioned the Jedi kid that, that kind of jumps in the Bail Organa part. You know, that's Lucas's son, right? I didn't know that. So that's uh, that was kind of a cool moment there. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you covered it really, really well. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, opportunities there with some of the scenes, the acting scenes. Some of them just don't quite land. And again, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm almost wanting to give some of those things a pass, like Ayla Sakura, the way that she just kind of like, oh no, I fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. The way that she falls is very, you know, not great, but it still hits to me. I mean, dude, I'm like when Yoda is sitting there and he's reacting to it, for some reason, it's kind of, it really hits me, you know, when that scene happens. And then the way that he, when the clones step up behind him and he just kind of gives a side eye look, I just love it. I love the way that that stuff plays out. I mean, Revenge of the Sith, I mean, with all of its flaws, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, as fun as, you know, the, the wiping out of the Jedi Order can be. <laughs> it's very well done. It's, it's, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Well, some of the really good stuff in there, Robbie, is also in Season 7, Episode 11, Hush to be Shattered Shattered, which opens with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan giving each other props after the capture of Maul and the freeing of Mandalore. 
we go into a meeting after that, which is straight out of Revenge of the Sith. The meeting between the Masters Yoda and Elisakura and Kiri Mundi and Windu who mentions that he feels the dark side of the Force is surrounding the Chancellor and that the Jedi Council would have to seize control of the Senate to ensure a peaceful transfer of power should the Jedi decide that Palpatine has outstated his welcome and of course Master Yoda remarking To a dark place, this line of thought will carry us. That's straight out of Revenge of the Sith. So we know exactly where we are in the timeline at that point. And then... Ahsoka enters with Rex, which of course is not a Revenge of the Sith, but that's Ahsoka's first time seeing her old masters since she turned around and walked out of their lives at the end of Season 5, and Master Yoda asks again if Ahsoka will come back, and Ahsoka replies, no, not yet. And Ahsoka hears then that Obi-Wan has located Grievous on Utapau, but since she's just a citizen, that's all she's allowed to hear, as <laughs> Maze tells her, and then... Master Yoda stays behind after the other Jedi's hang up and Yoda asks Ahsoka if she wants him to take a message to her former master and Ahsoka replies, no thank you, I'll tell him myself when I see him. To which Master Yoda replies, may the force be with you, Padawan, which is a sweet moment after she declared herself, you know, a citizen. Master Yoda still considers her part of his wider family. And then... The scene ends with Commander Rex remarking that Ahsoka didn't tell them what Maul told her about Anakin. So we're only four minutes in, but already there's a bunch to remark on. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Robbie. How did you like these opening couple of scenes? Let's not forget Ahsoka and Bo-Katan saying goodbye to each other. And let's talk about this overlap between Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars. And then Master Yoda staying behind and having a chat with Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, the Bo-Katan Ahsoka stuff was really just i mean it's going to be one of those things that's probably going to be overshadowed you know because uh this episode has a lot but it was beautifully done very very beautifully done and even some of the shots one of my favorite ones was a very very simple one it's a shot of you know them on a platform far away and then there's some action happening people walking by in on a platform that's closer to the camera and the way that the camera changes focus to them on the platform there's a smoothness there's there's something about it that made it look like a real camera like a real camera move in the real world i just really enjoyed that and i was like i mean i was into the conversation as well i mean i like hearing them talk about all of that stuff and then when we get to that meeting there's a lot of people especially online this morning kind of complaining about how harsh mace windu is but (laughs) <laughs> it's one of those things where I mean I get I totally get what they're saying. Mace Windu, there's a lot of things he could have done differently. You know, along this whole road, probably the main thing is if he looked at Anakin as a like it's it's like he never saw him as a real Jedi and never really included him in not so much the council but just as a Jedi. But I mean, I think what he did here was absolutely correct. Yep. They shouldn't be telling her about all that stuff, and I was kind of fine with that. Yep, same here. And then Yoda, uh, Yoda again, considering her a Jedi, or a Padawan, I guess, is a sign of respect that I just... It's one of those things where a lot of how we feel about characters... You've mentioned this before. When characters talk about other characters, your opinion can be swayed by those characters remarking on those other characters. That makes any sense. So, the fact that Yoda gives her respect and that Yoda respects everything that she's done for the Jedi Order and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it makes us, even if you're not already in the Ahsoka camp, I mean, how can you not be at this point? I mean, it's just, 
I love that, and I love that respect. And I do appreciate that she's still trying to protect Anakin, even though, just like Mace Windu not trusting Anakin fully, and all those things that led us down this path to when Order 66 goes down. Because if you really think about it, there's a lot of ways that Order 66 could have been thwarted yeah. if the Jedi had just been more trusting of each other. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm not going to go into them here, but it's weird that you know it's almost the the culpability. You know, she's part of that too, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, you. I mean, I found I couldn't blame Mace for you know not letting her in on top secret information as a non Jedi. Yeah, and I also couldn't blame Ahsoka for not trusting the Council that hadn't trusted her. You know, she was innocent, and the fact that the Council was ready to you know, throw her down a well, that gives her plenty of reason not to trust them. There are obviously things that they don't see. Right. Because they couldn't see her innocence, you know. So it would have been weird and inconsistent if she had suddenly trusted the council and given up all of her things. It wouldn't have been consistent writing. I mean, it just would have been bad storytelling if she had told them what Maul had told her in terms of, you know, where the character is. So both things made sense. I think that Windu saying, I'm sorry, citizen... This is Jedi Council business. It feels like he hits that citizen with a bit of maybe passive-aggressive snark, you know, and after Ahsoka has just declared that she's still a citizen. Maybe that's what's hitting people. And, of course, you know, we're rooting for Ahsoka. Right. You know, she's our hero and Mace isn't, so I get why people are, I guess, mad at Mace. Uh, The only other note I've got for this section, apart from agreeing with everything you said, it's just an awesome opening four and a half minutes of the episode, is that the spooky electro music starts in this part of the episode and that takes us into the next part of the episode because this ominous spooky electro music continues to play and we next see the mandalorians leading poor old maul out to ahsoka's ship and he's encased in some kind of case with bo-katan telling ahsoka it's the last of these special cases and it's something that someone kept around even after bo-katan's sister satine outlawed them and the new mandalorian leader then farewells the jedi ronin and that music only ramps up further and it really dominates the next two minutes which are basically a silent film we see people talking but no words are heard as Maul is transported to the command ship and as the ship enters hyperspace there's like two whole minutes with no dialogue and it's not that there's no people talking it's just that we're not interested in the dialogue the dialogue's unimportant what's important is that there is this oppressive ominous mood being established and I'll probably mention the music a few more times and as we go through this because it's awesome in this episode. What Kevin Kinder does with this music. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the commentary part when I'm supposed to be doing the recap, but let's just say right here, this kind of, I don't know, Blade Runner-y. Is, I know, I know that I put it as like Blade Runner-y kind of, maybe even prometheus y But let's get on with it, Robbie, because that's when Rex speaks up after those two minutes and asks Ahsoka... She has something on her mind, and Ahsoka points out that while the Jedi are meant to be peacekeepers, her entire life as a Jedi was spent as a soldier, and Rex replies that the life of a warrior is all he and his brothers have ever known, and that they have mixed feelings on the war because many of them wish the war had never happened. But without the war, there would have been no need for the clones. So quite the conundrum's not the right word, paradox I guess, something like that, Robbie, but Ahsoka of course tells Rex that that is at least one bit of good that's come from it, and that the Republic could not have asked for better soldiers, nor I a better friend. And then Ahsoka Tano salutes her friend Commander Rex, Robbie, and Rex salutes his friend Ahsoka Tano, and then Rex leaves, Robbie. Rex leaves to attend a new briefing, and Ahsoka turns back to stare out the window at hyperspace, and that's when she gets 
some kind of force premonitions. Although I don't know if they're premonitions because maybe it's live action, force transmission, you know, it's some kind of, we could call it a vision, but she's not seeing things, she's just hearing things. I don't know, whatever you call it. Ahsoka gets bad force juju about Anakin doing something pretty bad. And then Darth Sidious commands that it's time to execute Order 66. We cut there to Rex receiving the command that notorious, infamous, iconic command from Darth Sidious. But before we get to the actual action following that order, Robbie, how did you like the farewell from Mandalore and Bo-Katan? Oh, I guess we've sort of already talked about that, but I'm, I guess I'm really talking about the way that this kind of music takes over and there's this silent movie for two minutes during the transport of Maul and then Ahsoka and Rex chatting on the bridge being best of friends that sort of leads up to the order 66 command yeah it's funny that you almost hit every single one of my notes perfectly yeah i started doing commentary while i was supposed to be doing the recap so i probably <laughs> no no it's it's good i mean it i love the almost carbon freezing chamber you know kind of yeah thing with uh with maul i mean i'm, I'm i assume that it's some sort of force canceling yeah field i don't know must be it's one of those things that I didn't think about it as much at the first time, but the second time I watched it, I definitely was like, I wonder what that is, you know? And again, we get more Bo-Katan, Ahsoka banter that I just love. You know, you force-wielding maniacs. I love that. (laughs) That was awesome. The facial expressions and the vocal performance from Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. Yeah, a really beautifully played moment between the two of them. And and you know, it's it's funny because you can see Ahsoka like almost laugh when she says it. It's funny. Yeah. But it's really there's respect there that I just really love and it's like, man, I just it's kinda like you, you love it when characters respect each other and all that kind of stuff and it's just so much it's so much fun. And, and yes, absolutely that soundtrack to me is reminiscent of Blade Runner, in my opinion. It was Something that hit me harder the second time, especially. The tension is ridiculous. And what I love about it is in all of the shots, Ahsoka is surrounded by clones. Yeah. And if you know what's coming, you're just like, how is she going to get out of this? It's awesome. It's so well done. And it's it's almost like, you know, you, you have the, you know, we have Revenge of the Sith now. We've had it for 15 years. But it's almost like... You kind of have to almost put yourself in a in a in a space where you can think if I hadn't seen Revenge of the Sith, what would this feel like, you know? Because you have to imagine that there's got to be some kids out there that have never seen Revenge of the Sith yet. Right. So this idea that, you know, do they even feel that tension? Does the tension work the same? Does this whole arc work any differently if you hadn't experienced anything but the Clone Wars? Yeah. I mean, think about if you didn't know that Ahsoka and Rex survive and move on to Rebels, how would this have played out if you didn't know that? You know, how much more effective if they would have been able to do this season in the actual order that had been intended? The tension would have been unbearable. Yeah. I'm not saying that it didn't hit hard, because it obviously does. I mean, this conversation between them on the bridge is heartbreaking, (laughs) you know what I mean? And beautiful. Yeah. But how much more, like, how much more of an impact if they would have allowed the Clone Wars to continue. I'm not giving that a like a markdown or anything for that. I'm just saying, you know, the reason that a lot of this stuff is hitting as hard as it is is because we know what's coming and we know how this plays out. So it's just interesting. It's kind of one of those things about like it's almost like, you know, you kinda of wish you could erase that part of your brain that, <laughs> sure. that you know what I mean? Yep. But yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I got. I mean I just like I said, you you hit 
every single note that I had almost perfectly. The two other notes that I have is when Bo-Katan says goodbye, Ahsoka Tano. That just made me think, hey, is that out of Star Trek or something? Another, the other note that I've got this here is when Ahsoka has her force vision of Anakin's rampage toward the dark side, we actually get Hayden's Anakin. We also get Samuel L. Jackson's Mace Windu or Wet Blanket Windu as our pals Chris and Hope from J Guys and Jedi call him. And that leads us into Order 66 going down and it's no fun for Ahsoka because she enters the briefing room to ask for Rex's help and then Rex and all of the other clones with all of their lids still painted in Ahsoka colors try to shoot the heck out of her so Ahsoka Tano bolts up into the guts of the ship which leads to Rex telling all of his men except two that it's time to hunt down Ahsoka Tano and those other two are ordered to go and execute Maul so of course Ahsoka frees Maul and for the second time in the last day or so of Clone Wars time and the second time in the last week of, of our time Maul gets his hopes up that Ahsoka's going to gang up with him and I get my hopes up that Maul's going to gang up with Ahsoka but for the second time in the last day or so slash last week or so Maul and me have our hopes dashed as Ahsoka reveals that she doesn't want any of what Maul is selling she's like no Maul you silly goose I don't want you on my team I just want to wind you up let you run along to create a diversion which is what she does and so let's take another break here to talk about whether you're a fan of the way this part of the episode begins to tell the story of order 66 we see it from the point of view of ahsoka and rex and the special attachment of 501st troopers with their helmets all pointed in ahsoka's colors and then of course ahsoka frees maul and sends them off to create some chaos yeah i the one thing that i didn't realize the first time I watched it, but I did realize it the second time, is that when Rex turns around with his guns pointed at Ahsoka and he's talking about fives, yeah, there's a tear that's coming out of his eye. Yeah. And, oh, man, that hit me the second time. And it was just like, wow. And then, of course, that whole that's attack. That's my shot of the episode. Ah, I tried not to say it. Dang it. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was man. trying not to say it, but you brought that up so specifically. And as your first note of this part, that's my shot of the episode. I've got to work on my discipline, Robbie. We'll talk more about it later. Let me not interrupt you. Yeah, Carry well, on. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Because, uh, you know, spoiler alert, it's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that whole attack just looks insane. It's so, like, frenetic. It's one of those things where even though in the back of my head, I know how this is going to turn out, I still don't know how it's going to turn out. Like, you may know the end game, but you don't know how, and you don't know how you get there. So it's, I I just, I really, really loved all of this. I mean, Rex blasting those orders at those guys, and that Ahsoka's enemy number one, basically. And then there is one question that I have here that's something that you didn't mention. Where did the order to kill Maul come from? I mean... We understand that, yes, that is what Palpatine would have wanted, but there's no way that that could be included in Order 66. So, unless they just consider anybody with Force powers as now your enemy? I don't know. In which case, the logic, for me, was a little broken. I didn't even think about it the first time. The second time, I did think about that, and I'm like, where did that come from? Who made that decision? Or was that merely a... Rex is aware of the knowledge that Maul would give the Jedi, so he is also a liability and also needs to be taken out at this point. I'm not sure. I just figured it was that he was Ahsoka's prisoner and she was taking Maul to the Jedi. You know, the only reason he's still alive is because Ahsoka decided he should be alive to take Turk to the Jedi. And so if the Jedi are getting wiped out, 
there's no reason to keep them all alive. You know, he's just a, a menace. You know, he's just a danger to everyone. He's already killed a whole crap load of Rix's troops. And so <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't have that thought. Like I just figured he's part of the deal because he's a prisoner of the Jedi mm. and he's being taken back to the Jedi's to help the Jedi's. So I don't know. I didn't think of it as as deeply as you, but I get where that could come from. And I'm sure other people had the same thought. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I thought it was interesting. And, and again, when Ahsoka goes to Maul, I love how she shuts him down immediately. Yeah. And I love that she's like when she's opening it up and then she goes, don't make me regret this. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, are they going to team up? And she goes, I'm not here to team up. So it was almost like she's shutting us down as well. It was kind of funny because she was echoing my thoughts in reverse. Yeah. Like, oh, then what's okay? He's going to be a diversion. Cool. All right. It's just good stuff. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. It was really, really well done. I loved it. Well, after Ahsoka puts that dirty rat mall in his place and sends him off to do his thing, she heads off to recruit a real dream team up, which is, of course, a bunch of astromechs, Robbie, one of which is cheap. Another of which is CT, and a third of which is R7, A7, who's been with Ahsoka on a few missions before, going all the way back to Ryloth. And R7 was also with Ahsoka when she and Anakin were battling over Kato Namoidia at the start of Season 5, Episode 17, Sabotage. He's the one who ends up taking over the ship after she jumps off her own fighter to try and save Anakin. And so Ahsoka requests R7 to hook into the databanks and look up fives as... Rex told her to do before he lost his mind and R7 doesn't mess around so before she knows it Ahsoka's watching a recording of Rex reporting that he believes that the inhibitor the inhibitor hips the inhibitor chips <laughs> might be up to no good and then we briefly cut to Maul who was wrecking shop using parts of the ship since Ahsoka wouldn't let him have a weapon when she sends him off he says care to give me a fighting chance she says I'm not rooting for you dummy run along but, of course, that's no trouble for Maul. He doesn't need no weapon. He's, you know, like I said, literally using the ship as a weapon. And then we cut back to R7 and his astromech squad who trap Commander Rex and show him a message from Ahsoka telling Rex what she's just seen before electrocuting Rex to sleep and then hauling Rex off to the medical bay for a little scan along with Ahsoka who, who appears behind Rex, which is when we get this nice kind of world-building link to a certain guardian of the wills we all know by the name of Chiridam Way, who in the future would become legendary as part of the squad who would steal the plans to the first Death Star, the Rogue One squad, and who was known for his mantra, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. And that's how Ahsoka Tano proves that medicine is more about than just scans, Robbie, because the scan's not doing the trick. It's only when Ahsoka used the Force to help the scan, and maybe it's the will of the Force even, that Ahsoka finds that chip and saves both her and Rex. And so we get Ahsoka trying to hold off the other clone troopers, trying to come through the door as R7 tries to do a little brain surgery. So this is R7 is a guy that I'd never really paid too much attention to before. I always liked his paint scheme. I always thought R7 had a cool paint scheme, but you know, it's not like we think of him as Ahsoka's droid. We really think of a relationship with R2 more. But anyway, R7 here is a brain surgeon, and he saves good old Rex from himself, from the Order 66 virus, dare I say it. And it turns out, R7's a pretty good surgeon, because as Ahsoka calls for CD to shut the door on the attackers, Rex wakes up, sits up, draws his weapons, and shoots down three of his own men. When Ahsoka asks if he's okay, Rex replies, Yeah, yeah, kid, I'm okay. And then he's all, 
sorry about all that trying to kill you back there stuff. <laughs> and then he tells her what Order 66 is, and then even more troopers are trying to cut their way in. And cliffhanger, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> the only note I've really got here is that Cheap was played by Davi Filoni. And apart from that, everything else, I would just it was a little bit speechless, I guess. I was particularly struck by Rex shooting three of his own men to save Ahsoka. That was a hardcore moment. How did you like the way that this episode wraps up, Robbie? I've got a ton of notes here. Um, <laughs> Go for it. So first off, right after she gets Maul out of out of his little cell there, and they have their little conversation, which I love. The music is a mixture of elements from from the John Williams score from Revenge of the Sith plus this extra percussive melody on top. Yeah. It's not even a melody. It's almost just a... It's not percussion, but it's very percussive in nature. Again, we've we've mentioned many times how many different Clone Wars episodes are thematically or even in their, in their moods. You know, they're reminiscent of other movies. It feels like Kevin Kiner, he drew from the Blade Runner style in that very, very spooky, tension-filled atmosphere. And then here... We almost get a John Williams slash Hans Zimmer style score. Right, yeah. That's just what I got from it. I really enjoyed that, and I was just I was just digging this. And my gosh, does this episode fly by. I mean, it just moves. And when she goes to the droids, I was worried when she turned it on that the droids would turn against her as well. Sure. I w- thought that maybe there was something in the network that made them... You know, maybe at that moment, Order 66 also meant for the droids, you know, maybe the droids would turn on the, the Jedi. I wasn't thinking of, of R2 and Anakin. You know what I mean? I wasn't thinking of that, but I had that thought. And it's one of those things that led me down a path of thinking, which I thought was actually kind of cool. It's genius of her to use them, right? It's, it's of course, it, right? It makes sense for her to use them to get into the ship. To, yeah to help her with this mission of trying to to save Rex and try to, you know, get to the bottom of this. But also, that is a flaw in Sidious's plan. He underestimated the droids, Robbie. Exactly. Never underestimate an astromech droid. That is what I was going to say. It remind and then it calls back to in a way calls it's not calling back. I guarantee you it's not calling back to Rise of Skywalker, but it really kind of feels like it. Because Leia says it to Rey, yeah. never underestimated droid. So it was kind of one of those things that it just it just kind of put a smile on my face when I stopped and thought about it for a second. Right. And then I love the fact that Ahsoka's sitting there learning about the inhibitor chips. I mean, it's it's really, really cool for her to be able to get this knowledge, you know. And of course, it's something like, you almost wonder, like, why didn't Rex maybe share that with her? But they didn't really have time. I mean, they basically... Hey, uh, suddenly Ahsoka's back, and she's leading us, and, uh, oh, we're going on this mission, and, oh, we're being attacked. I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of time, but you would think that if they had that time, you know, if the Jedi hadn't cast her out, yeah. that maybe she would have been a part of that whole Fives arc, and maybe maybe Ahsoka would have been the difference. I mean, who knows? It's kind of one of those interesting things, those what-if scenarios. Sure. And then, of course, Maul's hallway attack. I mean, come on. A lot of people are, are comparing it directly to Vader, of course. Sure. And saying that this is... Rogue One. Yeah, and this is even more awesome because he doesn't even have a weapon and he's, and he's wrecking, you know, <laughs> wrecking fools. And he's sure. he's doing it against actual trained... I mean, the, the clones are no pushovers. I just, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's pretty violent, too. Him basically... Oh, you're getting away? No, I don't think so. It pulls on his yeah. arm and his arm gets closed in the door. And then... 
One thing that, and maybe this is something that, again, maybe it was just me. I thought it would have been one of those things. I don't think we have time left in the season to do this, but I thought it would have been cool. If Hondo turned up? Well, no, of course, Hondo. Yeah, <sighs> sure. But no, <laughs> if during that scan of Rex's head, that there was no chip. Right. And it would have been like, oh my gosh, he did something else. Now, how that would have happened and how you could have gone down that road, I don't think we have time, but it would have been interesting if she couldn't find a chip and she had to basically appeal to that side of Rex that knows and trust her. But I get why they had to do it, you know, the way they did it. But it was one of those things where for a moment there, I was thinking, oh my gosh, are the chips gone? You know what I mean? It would have been... Yeah, that's how it feels when they can't find it with the scan. Yeah, it would have been interesting. And then, of course, again, the two Rogue One callbacks in this episode. It's one of those things that you don't expect, you don't need, but it's awesome to see it because it ties the universe together. It's awesome stuff. And then the look on Rex's face when he shoots his brothers is heartbreaking and... From a drama standpoint, it's delicious. It's awesome. It's so good. <laughs> it's just a good story. So, yeah, that's uh, that's all the notes I've got. I mean, gosh, we covered everything. Well, we can go back a little bit and talk about our standout shots of the episode. We've already given it away, and it's it's the same shot for both of us. That, that yeah. shot of Rick saying, find him, in which we can see this man, he's fighting a demon inside him, and his eyes in particular in that shot are just incredible. Because they, at the same time, they show this deadly menace that's taking over him, but they show like a sadness at the same time. This It feels like he's known that something was coming in it. Because a lot of that two-minute section with the really ominous, oppressive, flatronary music, it kind of starts with Rex. And we know that a lot of that music is portentous because Order 66 is coming. And so it kind of linked me to the idea that Rex has a feeling that something is up. And so there's just this look in his face and maybe a lot of his projection, but at that moment he's thinking, oh God, gods, whatever, it's happening. And he's trying to fight it and he's trying to get out to Ahsoka the idea that she should look to fives. And so we see this humanity in Rex, this Rex that we know and love, these warring like the humanity in him is warring with the automaton side of him that's being taken over by the chip and the automaton that all the clones are meant to become under Order 66. And how many times have we both said and how many times have other fans said that this show does such an exceptional job at humanizing the clones and here we get this heartbreaking shot showing our favorite clone entirely against his will having his humanity stripped back away from him and having his self stripped away from him. And it's not just that he's being turned into an automaton, he's feels that you know his body is going to be used to try and kill his friend an amazing shot it's, yeah my shot of the episode it's my shot of the whole season so far but i don't know if you want to say any more about this shot robbie it's just awesome work i just wanted to you know to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying it's one of those things that i've always said that i thought that maul was more in on the plan and that's something i didn't mention was the fact that you know maul didn't know exactly how he just knew that the Republic was going to fall right? almost due to their own short-sightedness. And that's one of those things that when he learns of the actual intricacies of the plan, he's like, oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's I, That was a fun moment too. But yeah, that moment, I still think that, that that wide shot of the two of them kind of facing off is one of those that I just, it's just seared into my brain right now in the previous episode but all oh, right sure and i'm talking about soak and mall uh, sure. <laughs> like like for some reason i thought yeah. you guys could see what <laughs> i was talking about i got you but, <laughs> i sort of took me a second wait a minute what but yeah but i get you it's just uh 
I think there's just so much more meaning for me in this shot. The reason it's my shot of the season so far is that right. there, there was no relationship between Ahsoka and Maul. You know, it's almost like a... Right. I wouldn't say it's style over substance, but that fight... You know, we talk about fights being conversations and, you know, probably the reason that the Obi-Wan versus Maul fight and other fights are still going to be ranked above the Maul versus Ahsoka fight for me, even though style-wise... The Maul versus Ahsoka fight in the last episode was so, you know, amazing because of the way, you know, they mocap the action. It just looks so natural. But as our conversation, you know, which is how I think of fight scenes, I still think there are other fight scenes that I have above it. I mean, the ultimate for me is always going to be Luke versus Vader in Return of the Jedi, just because there's so much going on in that. But before we get even further, of course, the reason that this moment has so much more impact to me this shot has so much more impact is because it says something about something that has gone all the way back through the show back to season one this idea of humanizing the clones there's so much more meaning in this shot and also it's not just the fact that rex is having his humanity stripped away it's that he's having it stripped away in order to kill his friend so yeah i mean (laughs) calls back to ambush when yoda is having that conversation with the clones about you know luminous beings are we i mean he's uh, it's it's one of those where you know you really stop and think about that stuff and it's really beautiful and i feel like a lot of those themes are going to become even clearer you know on multiple watches yeah so i think i mean this is not a shot that you're going to hang on your wall type of favorite shot but in terms of meaning yeah you know this is my shot of the season and before we bring this one in for a landing robbie we need to sum up and give our rating so after your two watches of season seven episode 11 i should do be shattered how did you like it, and where does Season 7, Episode 11, Husha Doobie Shattered Shattered sit on that four-star Robbie scale? It's a four. I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. It's, come on. This one is, in fact, there's. I keep going back and thinking about the last episode and me giving it a 3.5. I'm not sure if that's even fair. I mean, it's <laughs> like this whole arc has been so insanely good. Yep. I guess I gave that first episode a 4 just because it, you know, it made me so emotional. But seriously, I mean, this arc is exceptional. This episode is insanely good. The callbacks were perfect. The way that it syncs up with Revenge of the Sith... I mean, come on. This is masterful work here. And anyone that discounts animation at this point, they need to they need to learn themselves here. Yep. I've got this at 10 out of 10 as well, Robbie. I didn't even come up with a cute or goofy thing to say it's 10 somethings out of 10. It's just 10 out of 10. It's a beautiful episode. It's as close to a perfect episode as the show's done, maybe. It, I, is it my favorite episode of The Clone Wars? I don't know. I shouldn't even be trying to come up with that right now because we are way out of time. This is super long, <laughs> and that's mission accomplished for Season 7, Episode 11. I should do be shattered. And so, Robbie, I would like to take a moment here just to thank our buddy DT for the logos that we've worn proudly on this mission. It's not the end of the mission yet, but I realize that I don't thank our buddy DT enough for these logos that he made for us that... You know, all the way back in whenever it was last year, a million years ago. But, Robbie, why don't you take a moment now to let the troops out there know if they have any feedback, if they want to send in a voice message, if they want to send in any sort of feedback, flood our inbox, what are our communications channels? Of course, yes. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail and on Twitter and on Instagram. That's B U C H O A N D. R-O-B-B-Y. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 133rd and probably the final ever episode. I know there are whispers out there that maybe there's 
an idea that they might tell more? I don't know. I almost don't even want to bring those whispers up, Robbie. But probably the final ever episode, the final ever episode for now, let's just say, in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 7, Episode 12, Victory and Death. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie. And we are... Out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you. Get ready on the door. Knights. <laughs> <laughs>